The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from inside an embryo jar in the Ronnie's TARDIS, it's Doctor Who, Podshock. me help. Why did they attack you? They didn't. They attacked the machinery. That's right, miss. They was after smashing up machinery. Oh, I'm lost. Why would anyone want to smash machinery? They're scared to rub me their jobs. Maybe. You suspect another motive? Let's say I'm keeping an open mind. Can you stand? Odd that. Leaving Jack Ward behind? They're usually such mates. That's an unusual mark. How did you come by that? Oh, well, easy. Easy. Hey! Hey, steady. What's hey. trying to help? What's got in here, Jack? Can't fathom it. Never seen him like that before. Oh. Well, so much for playing the Good Samaritan. Oh, Mr. Stevenson's not going to be well pleased about machinery. And suppose he will. Stevenson? Waiting for them parts he is. George Stevenson? I sir. Do you know him? Know of him. Perry, how would you like to meet a genius? Thought I already had. Hey, yes, yes, of course, but uh, I haven't changed the course of history. Indeed, I'm expressly forbidden so to do, but George Stevenson will. Could that be what all this is about? An astute observation, Perry. Can you give us a lift? The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podchock, episode 301. Uh, welcome to uh, episode 301, as Ian just said, and this is... Since the earliest days of podcasting, when Classic Who was the only Who, there has always been Louis Trapani. And that's why we call him the Podfather. <laughs> well, I want to thank Lee, Lee Shackelford, for that submission there. You, a couple episodes back, I did little intros. Uh, one was an old one from uh, that Ian made for Dave, Dave A.C. Cooper, who's on the show with us. And um, and I did a, a on-the-fly intro using Danger Mouse theme music for Ian, and... Um, and he, Lee felt that is, um, I should have had a theme as well. So thank you, Lee, for that. And let me continue with the intros because 
Um, speaking of Ian and um, and Dave, both of them are on the show today. So uh, across the great pond is Mr. Dave A. C. Cooper, and let's and I'll continue the tradition here. Who is Dave A. C. V. Blogger, podcast host, Doctor Who fan, wine aficionado, and gadget guru. The man with the plan. The gentleman podcaster. Catch him on Doctor Who Podchalk. The CIA podcast. And his very own V-blog at www.daveac.lip.tv. He's suave. He's debonair. He's British. He is Dave. Dave AC. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can extend your hand all the way over the Atlantic, I'll kiss your ring. <laughs> Poor father. <laughs> It's, I'm not going there. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to make you both an offer you can't refuse. Well, it, it's as I said, it's it's a little dated. Uh, I think we need to, uh, Ian. I think we need to work on updating his uh, his little intro there. Yes, <laughs> I, I had that thought. Yes, <laughs> one of these days. And speaking of Ian. He's terrific. He's magnificent. He's the greatest secret agent in the world. Danger Mouse. Ian Bissett. He's the fastest, he's the greatest, he's the best. Ian Bissett. Ian Bissett. Sorry about that. I, I, that's the, the the lousy part on my um, <laughs> contribution there. Quite, quite, Lewis. Quite. <laughs> oh, Dave A. C. Fold. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's me, the guy with the wine. <laughs> Ian is a uh, New Zealand transplant here on in in the U.S. on. My side of the shore here, so uh, but though south of me in sunny Florida, way south, sunny, way south. yeah, yeah, I guess, <laughs> guess it's sunny here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, the envy of all your winters. <laughs> it's after our winter. I'll, I'll trade you. I'll trade you if you want to uh, switch uh, locations during the winter months. I'm all for it. I'll become a snowbird. <laughs> I'll, I'll, there you go. Oh, well, 
You see, that's what I've never understood. You know, they call it, uh, you know, snowbird season. But we're not allowed to shoot them. <laughs> well, unless unless you stand your ground, season. then right. then, then yeah, it's acceptable. Yeah, stand your ground in Florida. <laughs> Let's not go there. We're getting political now. What the hell? <laughs> that snowbird was threatening me. <laughs> Do you have a snow monkey? <laughs> typewriter. <laughs> I'll have to look for one there. Excuse me. <laughs> that was not. Just is it, looking through the TARDIS for the for the, uh, the newsroom. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no monkeys. Uh, next time. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so now that all three of us are back together, do we have a show, or we're we just gonna like you know goof off? <laughs> we're gonna play sound clips until the cows come home. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Uh, I, I guess we should start the show, and then I guess we usually start the show in the newsroom. So, for that, we have this. So first up in news, it's uh, casting news. It's you know this is the season, uh, the time of the year where the new the new series is in production, and slowly you know little. Uh, trickles of information comes out and sometimes it's casting news and this is um, the BBC has confirmed that actor Tom Riley is to appear in episode three of the new series which is uh, coming out later this year I believe it's either late August or autumn or I'm not sure I last I heard it was August but I've heard others say um, otherwise so um, well, the episode three won't probably be until September because it's yeah. starting, I think, the end of August. Yeah. So I'm not really when I see his face here and he kind of looks familiar. At first, I thought he was someone that might have appeared in Torchwood, but I don't think that's the case. He just has that familiar look to him. But he was Nobody in, has right. been in casualty. Yeah, which I've never seen. So but he's so yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying. I mean, I, I, I don't mean anything by that. I'm just saying that he's looks he has a familiar face to me, but I didn't see casualty. He, um, I think he's been in a number of things, but definitely this will be his highest profile outing when it happens. And of course, it's the Mark Gatiss episode that uh, is the third episode that he will be in. Mm-hmm. And Mark previous Gatiss, appearances were Lost in Austin. Centrinians 2, The Legend of Fritton's Gold. I think that also starred, if I'm not mistaken, it starred David Tennant. Could be wrong. Yes, no, alongside, did, yeah, alongside David Tennant, yeah. Yeah, looks like David Tennant. So. Yeah, that name rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah, uh, also uh, played uh, Leonardo da Vinci in uh, Da Vinci's Demons last year. And as I said, uh, Casualty 1906 and Casualty 1907 played uh, Dr. James Walton. So uh, uh, those of you who follow a certain podcast's um, commentaries (laughs) will know the significance of Casualty. (laughs) 
<laughs> Lewis is scratching his head right now. Don't get a splinter. I no, I, I wear gloves. You know, I learned my lesson the hard way. Yeah, the, I mean, this follows on from the, I think, with news we already announced that Mark Gatiss had confirmed that he would be commissioned to write two new episodes yeah. and will form part of the third production block of the series directed by Paul Murphy, whose work includes uh, Wizards v. Alien, Trolley, Casualty, Waterloo Road and Grange Hill. There's quite a lot of information there in that little piece. That's the... Um, the, the main thing about Tom Riley is just the sort of header account of that. Mm. Yeah, uh, Gaddis was uh, quick to point out that he's been commissioned to write two stories, but doesn't necessarily mean that both of them will be in the upcoming new series. So, you know, we know at least one will. Right. So, so let's go and mention some of the others there or not. It's quite a, a, a long list. Maybe we should just direct people to uh, net to the item. Yeah, okay. Yeah, if there's other... Now, are these confirmed people? They're, or Well, they're not in the same episode. I mean, they're guest stars like... for episode six. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's quite a, a, a group there. Nigel Betts, who played Eddie Hope in Emmerdale. Uh, Edward Harrison, who's appeared in uh, roles such as Doctors. Jimmy V, veteran of Doctor Who, whose previous roles include the Grask and the Moxa Balloon from Voyage of the Damned. And if you and were... And Balalala <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything spoilery about it, in case those are wondering that... I, I don't think any of these cast members are, any, that are giving anything away by announcing that they're, you know, will be starring in, in it, so... Or co-starring, or whatever you want to call it. Participating, acting. Right. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, basically, they're not giving away any any character information. They're just saying that these people will um, will be appearing. So, if you do follow the link and go and and, and check out DoctorWhoNews.net, um, there's very little information being given about any episode details. So, yeah. hooray! Hey! So moving on to other news, which is sort of news. I don't know. It's uh, well, you know what they they did a séance and they 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 summed up the spirit of John Pertwee, who's been dead for almost eighteen <laughs> years. And they they said, well, what do you think of the new doctor that has been chosen? Well, okay, not exactly that, but his son Sean Pertwee has uh, recently revealed that uh, that his father was very fond of of, of Peter Capaldi, and uh, um, he said he was a very lovely extremely lovely gentleman and he was a uh, uh, very kind to his family and his father uh, when his father had passed away i am paraphrasing what he said here so uh yeah. yes because don't, don't forget capaldi's 55 years old so he's been around for some time as a as an actor so um yeah he said they were and a big doctor who fan so you know he he's no you know it's not like you know, he he was, un you know, indoctrinated from Doctor Who. He was he was always a big Doctor Who fan. Yeah, uh, and and Sean also gave his thoughts on how the fifty-five-year-old Capaldi will fare after the fresh-faced tenure of Matt Smith. I think he's going to bring some real gravitas and weight, which only comes with age. Oh yes, it's so so true. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, 
Shut up, Missy. Uh, <laughs> well, you put it. on weight at the old Well, I got the weight. I don't, I don't know about the gravitas, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff there. Yep. So, uh, and also uh, the related and news I, is that um, Sean Pertwee is starring as Alfred, the, the butler in the new uh, Gotham, you know, the, the prequel to the Batman, um, I guess, you know, series they're working on this um, show called Gotham and he's playing um, Alfred, the, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne's butler, which they released a photo of him and it's, it's always a striking resemblance now. As he's, as Sean Pertwee's getting older, you can see, you can see more and more of John Pertwee in his face. Right. Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, the thing that I'm taking away from this uh, article from the Radio Times as well is the, um, that uh, the Musketeer, uh, where of course uh, he played um, not I should say Peter Capaldi mm-hmm. played uh, Cardinal Richelieu uh, that concluded now, now this article is dated the uh, 31st. 31st isn't it of, of March yeah. so uh, it's just finished I must admit um, although I've got all the uh, the Musketeers episodes recorded on my uh, hard disk um, I think I've only watched the first three and you know, I, I've still carried on recording it. Um, wasn't overly impressed with it. Very lavish production. Um, and I will get around to watching it. But um, it, it wasn't much, uh, was it, must-see TV as far as I was concerned. But that's not to detract from uh, the Peter Capaldi's, uh, you know, uh, part in that. But um, I don't know. Maybe it was the the way it was introduced. I, f- I found it had, um, I mean, for me, Gene, the, to me, the best D'Artagnan uh, was Gene Kelly, and that was a blooming musical. But the fencing in that was so stupendous. Um, the thing about uh, the Musketeers I was drawn to was expecting to see some fabulous fencing, and um, it didn't particularly look that good. Um, but, of course, as I say, I've got those episodes on the recorder, uh, they may well have been fantastic. Um, I don't know what other people think of that series if they've seen it. Yeah, I haven't. I'm too busy watching House of Cards at the moment to tell you the truth. Which is, but that's not Doctor Who. Yeah, I, I haven't <laughs> seen it, but I know it's gotten a lot of praise. Absolutely. So I, I think Ian might want to introduce the next story, which um, because he's a yes. subscriber to it. Yes, I don't know how how. Um, recent it is um, but for those of you who don't know like I didn't know until um, I did a nice little search on uh, on my Roku uh, I have found out that Hulu uh, Hulu Plus actually has added a lot more uh, classic Doctor Who episodes uh, prior to this they had I think um one from Hartnell, uh, one story from William Hartnell, one story from Pat, uh, Patrick Troughton. Uh, I think two um, third Doctor stories, uh, and then one from each of the other Doctors, maybe a couple of couple of Tom Bakers. But now there's um, we've got um, uh, a plethora really to choose from. I mean, there's some things that are missing, but compared to what we had gotten before um, on the likes of Netflix. There is a lot of classic Doctor Who. So if you've been looking for some some things to watch or or to try and get people into to watching classic Doctor Who, then 
I really do have to recommend, and, and I don't normally kind of post these things on people or try and recommend uh, a paid service, but if you're looking for some classic Doctor Who without going out and buying the DVDs and, and kind of you know mm-hmm. getting people into the classic series, then Hulu Plus is a place for you. Um, I've been catching up on uh, some Pertwee stories. I just got done with uh, The Claws of Axos um, earlier this evening. Um and uh, started into Colony in Space. Um, and, I mean, even the, 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 the earlier episodes, um, the, the Mind Robber, I'm not sure if they had that before on, on there or not. Um, they've got quite a few William Hartnell episodes, um, episodes of The Chase, Space Museum. Uh, they've got the Aztecs on there, which I know was was quite popular on, on most of the services, but... Uh, um yeah it's it's great actually and and the other thing that hulu has done uh that i re- recently discovered too is that they're with the exception of the 50th anniversary special and the christmas special uh they are all up to date with uh the new series as well um they've added the second half of what is it series seven mm. um so series seven is now complete on on hulu where it is not the case on on netflix so whatever it is that hulu's doing whatever deals they're making um they're the ones to watch for uh, uh for doctor who i guess so yeah and this isn't a uh, um a, a paid ad or anything but we, it's just a you know we're no. just giving you that information it, it's i'm just seven, very very happy <laughs> it's 7.99 a month i just looked it up if you if mm. you're interested at least that's uh, in the you I'm, I'm assuming this is u.s only i don't know if they if this extends across the u.s borders i don't know yeah, I, I I know that a friend of mine in New Zealand was going to have a look at Hulu and and and, and check that out. Um, so I don't know what the availability is, you know, in other countries. If the service is the same, um, I yeah, I I couldn't really tell you. Uh, but if I do find out, then I'll let you know. Um, the downfall really to Hulu is that it does have commercials. See now, you, you pay. Service. See that's not yeah. right. So you're paying, you're, you're paying I, a monthly fee plus it has commercials. You see, I pay pay pretty much exactly the same amount for Netflix, and I don't have to deal with commercials. So I don't quite understand. The one thing that Netflix, I mean that Hulu does that Netflix doesn't is you get current episodes of TV shows. Um, for example, Arrow, um, you'll get them. I think it's something like five to seven days after they've screened or, or, or maybe it's less now. That's, I think, the reasoning behind their um, the commercials is that's how they get you um, new episodes of TV shows is by having limited commercials. They usually have about uh, th- at least three for a half-hour show, more for a, a full hour. So... Or should I say 45 minutes? Um, so that's the downside. But I'm, I'm on that page now is, looking at their catalog. It's, it does. I mean, like you said, they don't have everything, but it's an impressive lineup here. You know, yeah. um, do you have a nice selection of, of episodes? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of I'm doing the thing that I should have done, you know, a few years ago. But when you're 
when you're in Doctor Who clubs and stuff like that and you're watching stuff, you're usually kind of uh, socializing at the same time the episode's on and you don't get to watch everything. Um, and so I'm going back really and kind of discovering all the stuff that I haven't either probably haven't seen in a very long time since I was a child. And you could try or it for stuff free. that I may not have ever. Yeah, you can try it for free for like a month. So uh, it, it's worth taking a look at. I mean, uh, like like Lewis said, this isn't we're not being paid to to advertise Hulu. Um, I'm just really kind of excited at the fact that finally um, somebody's actually added, especially it being the the fiftieth anniversary, that somebody's added more Doctor Who. I had a go at Netflix on Twitter um, about six months ago, saying you would think that being the fiftieth anniversary of the show that you would have added more classic episodes. Well, um, I know with like iTunes, a lot, of, at it. a lot of the classic episodes there are stuff that I already have on DVD. So I hadn't really bothered mm-hmm. much with, with iTunes as far as, you know, older, you know, I, I get like the new Doctor Who episodes that, that, you know, obviously when they come out, but the, the older ones I don't, I hadn't bothered with because I have them on um, DVD. And I, I guess I should look into um, what Amazon prime has to offer. I, I think, I'm not sure if they have any Doctor Who in that. When you're a Prime member, there there's certain sections uh, that that they give you as part of the membership, and then others that you need to purchase or rent, whatever. Right. So the, 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 yeah, um, with them, the thing that annoys me is um, things like Smallville. You got to pay for. Um, I'm waiting for somebody to start streaming Smallville. Uh, but this is a Doctor Who podcast. Last time I looked on Amazon Prime, they had, I think, exactly the same selection as as Netflix did, which mm-hmm. was, like I said, one from Hartnell, one from Troughton, yeah. maybe two from Pertwee, which is, uh, I think they had the Three Doctors plus, I think, Spearhead from Space. Like a sample. Uh, right. And the odd thing is that, that Netflix has done is they've got all but one story from the key to time, which makes no sense. They're missing like, um, yeah, that's, you want to have that complete. Which one it is now, but they're right. It's like, what, what's the point? It's a whole story. I realize what you've put up. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) I don't know if it's the conclusion or the, 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 or the, Second to the last story in the key to time that, that they're missing, but it's just one of those things. It's just, why? And then they've got, uh, I think they got one or two Peter Davison stories. Um, I think they completely missed Colin Baker. Um, and then they've got, uh, I want to say, uh, Swarm with the Hemovores, uh, Curse of Fenric. Mm. Curse of Fenwick, but uh, yeah, Hulu's really kind of done, done their uh, done their best, and well, they even follow up saying that you know um, it's not everything, but we we hope you kind of enjoy what they've got. You know, um, the thing that bothers me about Netflix is you can get so many episodes of Doctor Who on disc um, if you do the disc service. You know, and have them mm-hmm. um, emailed mailed out to you. Well, but I nine would times imagine out of 10, you can't. 
I would imagine everything that's available on DVD is available through Netflix, uh, disc through with right. their disc program. Right. Which is why I don't understand that they don't have more available streaming. You know, why not switch them out, take down the ones you've got, and put up new ones. Um, yeah, that might have to do with licensing. The one thing that annoys me about disc services is that you'll get one disc um, because a lot of the the disc sets now are two discs where all the extras are on one disc and you know the stories on the other. It's like well. Well, that's the advantage no. of the discs is, is the extras as well. You, you miss that on the streaming right. services. Right. But it's, right. it's nice to be able to catch up. Like I said, you know, um, being able to watch stuff that I haven't seen in a very long time, especially since I was a kid, and you get to appreciate it in a whole different way. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, watching Mr. Chin from the ministry <laughs> doing his darndest. <laughs> Well, I think it's slightly different here in the UK. I mean, we have the we have the main things like Sky, who've now brought out their own little box called Now TV, and Next Netflix is gaining traction, and uh, that's taking over from Love Film, and um, then we have uh, you know Virgin Talk Talk BT, uh, who are trying to you know you know leverage uh, fast internet connection now. Uh, taking over from satellite, but in the UK, I think most of the Doctor Who at the moment is via a small channel, satellite channel called Watch, that has uh, quite a lot of uh, Doctor Who, the Doctor's Revisited episode guide, uh, has Torchwood on, um, uh, lots of things like uh, that. Um, so in the UK, at least, it's uh, an actual... Uh, watches the channel to catch up on your Doctor Who at the moment. And, of course, BBC Three, and that's a little bit of a bone of contention, the place where you can usually catch, um, you know, repeats of Doctor Who. They've just had... Uh, they've just gone through, uh, you know, uh, the, the the Pandorica and the, the Big Bang and so on. But uh, the talk in the BBC of actually closing uh, BBC Three and making that an internet channel only on the BBC iPlayer so things are a little bit in flux here in the UK mm-hmm. for people who want to catch uh, you know certainly classic who uh, and uh, BBC three has been the one place to catch new who but repeated uh, and at least that has gone to the, the sad thing for me of course is that BBC three has gone HD and now they're talking about closing it in the next 12 months and taking it online. Well, I mean, we are. I mean, things are definitely changing. There's definitely, uh, you know, um, uh, the success of things like the Apple TV uh, yeah, well, here in the UK, UK, the Now TV, Netflix has probably been the biggest, you know, pebble in the in the pond, as it were, in terms of all the ripples it's caused here. Well, just today, Amazon announced the and uh, released their their new box, their new set top box called Fire. Fire TV, which um, which may or may not carry Hulu. I'm not sure. I know Apple TV carries Hulu. Uh, Roku carries Hulu. A, a lot of a lot of streaming. You know your Xbox and whatever. You know have Hulu, so you can watch it on your you know on your on your big screen TV. You don't it's, you don't you can watch it via the web, but you don't necessarily have to. You know iPads and they have Hulu apps for that too, and probably you know. I don't mean to. I'm sure on Android as well. I'm guessing. 
So yeah, Hulu's calling out to me. He's saying Hulu, Hulu. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, 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 I, not that I'm not that I'm saying anything bad about you know some of the classic episodes, but I'm kind of forcing myself into into watching some of these ones that you know before I hadn't looked at, especially the black and white ones because you know. Oh, you got to force 80s, yourself you know, to watch I, Doctor Who. Oh, bloody hell, I got to no. watch Doctor Who. <laughs> Nothing wrong but, with black and white. No, no, there isn't. But, you know, there's this kind of like, well, you know, but I'm I'm discovering Doctor Who in a, you know, in a new way. And, uh, you know, being 40-odd um, now... <laughs> You get to appreciate it in a whole different way, you know. Uh, but before, when I was a kid, you know, you there's that attitude of like, well, it's black and white, it must be boring, you know. And that kind of tends to kind of carry over until you start really kind of watching these. And, and that's where I'm at right now, you know. Is um, you know, I mean, I watched the Aztecs. What was it last year? I was like, you know what, this isn't bad at all. <laughs> um, go ahead. I was just saying, I mean, that uh, confounds me somewhat. It doesn't take a lot, I know. But, I mean, first of all, I, I've always been really pushing for better and better technology. You know, hide. I just mentioned about BBC Three going high definition and, uh, and things like that. I remember having a big argument with my daughter when she liked this new group, as I thought, saw them, then called it Oasis. They're going to be bigger than the Beatles. And the sound was really muddy. And I said, well, you know... I've campaigned and loved CD quality sound, and and this sounded really muddy and all. You couldn't tell the different tracks or anything. You couldn't tell the different instruments. And she said, "Well, that's trying to get the live sound." And then I remember with the sun, uh, when the cartoon South Park came out, and I couldn't understand South Park. I said, "You know, animation is getting so brilliant, and they have these blooming cardboard cutout figures." <laughs> It's going backwards. Things are going backwards. Oh, yeah. So, yet the kids that can love South Park and can still appreciate that, I mean, obviously, it's very satirical, but it's very simplistic uh, animation, isn't it? Right. Well, think of Doctor Who, classic Doctor Who, as simple uh, picture telling, but the stories are still brilliant. Right. I'm not saying anything wrong with it. It's just it's one of those things that it's that carryover from being a kid, of, you know, when your parents used to put on a, an old movie. And, I you don't know. know what kind of parents you had that. Yeah, when I I grew up watching old black and white Albert and Costello movies, and I, I you know I didn't have that huh? that bias built into me. So I, I you know, I, I'll, it's I'll one of those things. It's just movies. you know it stuck with me. It's like. Um, most of the sci-fi movies that I grew up watching, except for um, oh, the day the Earth stood still. I love the day the Earth stood still. Um, my favorite black and white movies ever. Invasion um, of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy. That's a good one too. Actually, I was thinking about that one the other day. There was a truck driving down the street, and it had some um, some plastic bags in the back. And it was just, it was kind of like the truck at the very end where he's hanging off of it going, no, it's too late. They're already here. Um, well, it's all I could think of. It's all I could think of when I saw this, this truck. I was like, you just imagine a guy hanging off the back of that guy. They're already here. <laughs> 
But anyway, that's enough of, of, of that news and, and me looking quite um, red-faced over my admonishment of um, black and white episodes. <clears throat> but no, no, I'm just saying it's a good thing now. I'm, I'm, I'm watching them, so... Yes. <laughs> All right, you're forgiven. I think that's it for news, isn't it? <laughs> yes. It's kind of done news. Aren't these episodes always longer when Ian's on? I don't know why. I don't know, because I never have anything to say. <laughs> All right, well, we'll be right back with our view. I mean, we didn't even announce what we're reviewing yet, but you know what? I won't say it now. You'll have to stay tuned. We'll be right back with our review of Doctor Who. <laughs> You're listening to Doctor Who Podshock. This The story we are reviewing today introduces a new villain into the Doctor Who lore, and it also reintroduces the Master, who we had assumed was destroyed in the previous story. Not necessarily, never when it comes to the Master. So because of that, our selection for our audiobook this week is going to go back to the, well, I won't say the last time, but one of the times that we, well, I, I would say to the last time that we did have a Time Lord that was introduced as a villain into the series, the Master himself. The story is Doctor Who and the Terror of the Autons. It's written by Terence Dix. It's narrated by Jeffrey Beavers, who plays an incarnation of the Master himself in the series though you might not recognize him facially. Now, this is going to be our selection for Audible. As you probably know, if you're a listener to Doctor Who Podshock on a, re- on a regular basis, Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 150 titles to choose, 150,000 titles, that is, to choose from in all different genres, uh, be it thrillers, sci-fi, comedy, romance, business. They have it. They got it covered. Audible titles will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, for more than 500 devices for your listening anytime and anywhere. And for you, listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering you a free, yes, a free audio book download with a free 30-day trial, so you have a chance to check them out. If you decide it's not for you, fine. You cancel. You keep your audiobook. It's yours to keep. To download your free audio book, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podchalk. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podchalk for your free audiobook. And if you're driving or you just can't write that URL down, you can't go to it now, no problems. Go to podchalk.net and there'll be links to it there as well. So once again, um, our sele- now you can choose whatever you like. We'd like to make a selection each week as a possible selection for your free audiobook and usually try to make it relate to something relevant to what we're might be discussing in the episode and um, like I said we are reviewing a particular story a story that introduces a new villain into the Doctor Who mythos and so we're going back to when the master was introduced so this is a uh, Terror of the Autons. It's called Doctor Who and the Terror of the Autons. It's again, it's written by Terence Dix and narrated by Jeffrey Beavers. 
Here's a little snippet from the audiobook. But Rossini had his own way of making money. He hired only the deadbeats, the down-and-outs of the circus profession, those who, for one reason or another, could never get a job with the big, posh outfits. Some were too old or too incompetent. Some, like Tony, the strong man, were on the run from the police. Rossini hired them all and paid them starvation wages, knowing they wouldn't dare to ask for more. All the profits went into his own pockets, paying for the flashy suits, the diamond rings and the big cigars that fitted Rossini's picture of himself as an international showman. Anyone who objected was soon beaten into submission by Rossini's big fists. He had a right to his perks. He was the boss, wasn't he? Things were looking particularly good this week. One of the bigger circuses had been closed down by flu, and by a bit of quick moving, Rossini had been able to take up their booking. For once, the circus Rossini had a decent pitch, a nice little field on the outskirts of a fair-sized market town. There was every chance of a good crowd when they opened up in the morning, a decent few quid in the kitty for once. Not that it would make any difference to the rest of the circus folk, but Luigi Rossini was already thinking about a new car, one of those nice big American jobs, a Cadillac or a Chevrolet. Rossini produced a big cigar, lit it with a flourish, and prepared to start bullying his crew to get a move on. They'd have the big top up and the seats prepared before any of them stopped for food or rest. But naturally that didn't apply to the boss. After he'd got them all toiling, he'd go back to his luxurious caravan and demolish a cold chicken and most of a bottle of whiskey. Suddenly Rossini heard a strange noise, a sort of wheezing, groaning, mechanical sound. It seemed to come from the furthest corner of the field. There, under the shade of a few trees, was parked the horse box which held Madame Mariella's prancing ponies, three worn-out old nags who could hardly manage a gallop, let alone a prance. To his astonishment, Rossini saw that another horse-box was parked beside it. But this was a horse-box of a very different sort, glossy and gleaming, brand-spanking new, the sort of horse-box to carry derby winners to the race-course. But what was it doing in his field? Why hadn't he seen it drive in? Angrily, Rossini strode towards it. He peered suspiciously into the driver's cab. It was empty. Rossini marched round to the back and hammered on the rear doors. But as soon as his fist touched the door, he snatched it back in dismay. The horse box tingled. He felt a hum of suppressed power, almost like an electric shock. The rear door snapped open, and a man stood looking at him. Again, that's uh, Dr. Hugh and the Terror of the Ortons, and we see the introduction of the master. <laughs> In that clip, you almost <laughs> you get to the point where um, he, is, he is introduced. So uh, to download your free audiobook, once again, go to audibletrial.com slash podchock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podchock for your free audiobook. Also, just to clarify what I said earlier, is that in the previous story to the one that we're reviewing today, I said that the master was destroyed. I meant the previous master story, not the direct previous story to the one that we're reviewing today in this episode of Dr. Hupachok, just to clarify. I meant the previous story that had the master in it. 
which actually is a Peter Davison story. Oh, now I'm giving it away. All right, well, without any further ado, let's go to our review. What's Law doing here? That's easy. He's one of brainy ones that arrived early for this meeting. I come to rob us of our jobs. Hold hard. I intend you no harm. Talks funny, don't he? Hold hard. This hard enough. Imbeciles, you incapable of using your brains. What advantage do you think that would bring you? You let the man you should have destroyed go free. Ah, dead. Why, what's that not, Bert? In the lane. He pretended to help you. <laughs> help? He's a friend of Stevenson's, an inventor. He's here to mechanize the mine. So know what he's getting at, Jack. He's just trying to save his own skin. Ask him. Ask him why he's trying to take the bread out of your mouth. We'll do more than ask. Where is he just now? He's gone into the pit. You can't mistake him. He's mean-looking. Wears yellow trousers and a vulgarly colored coat. But go carefully. He's treacherous. Careful. Sorry. What are we doing here, anyway? Looking for George Stevenson. Well, he could be anywhere. Absolutely anywhere. Even underground. Harry! You really do have an extraordinary capacity for seeking out danger. Doctor! You ought to learn to avoid situations where... Doctor! Harry, get out of here. But what about you? Don't argue, just go. Now, now, now. Gentlemen, gentlemen, please. I'm sure we can come to some amicable understanding. Come on, please. Please. Now you've gone too far! After all the effort that went into making that! And we're back with Dr. Upachuk. This is Louis Trapani, and also uh, back with us is uh, Dave Cooper and Ian Bissett. And we, if you haven't picked up yet from the clips that we played uh, just now and also at the top of the show, we are reviewing Mark, the Mark of the Rani, which uh, sadly is uh, due to uh, the loss of Kate O'Mara earlier this week, and as a tribute to her and um, in memory of her, we, we figured we would do, it seemed to be a timely review. Uh, we had already reviewed Time of the Ronnie back, I think it was around uh, about four years ago, when uh, when um, the 10th Doctor was about to regenerate into the 11th Doctor, we did a series of Doctor Who uh, reviews on Doctor Who Podshock that were, we had reviewed all the regeneration stories. So Tom and the Rani was is actually the the sixth through to the seventh Doctor regeneration story, and we reviewed it then. So we hadn't reviewed Mark of the Rani, so that's um, that's the reason why we're you know we're reviewing it now. So as always, spoilers, spoilers again, spoilers, spoilers. Spoilers. All right. So as you know, as you get the hang of it, there will be spoilers if you haven't seen this episode yet. Spoilers. Spoilers. So there'll be spoilers then. Yes. Yes. I should say you haven't seen this story yet. It's it's actually two episodes, though they're 45 minutes each. So, um, you know, it would be normally a four parter story in the traditional format of Doctor Who back in the day. So. Uh, they did it. They they experimented um, in this season in this series 
with doing 45 minute episodes, which I had forgotten once I put the DVD in and I, uh, <laughs> I, I went to rewatch it for our review. I'm like, and I, I that immediately as the screen came up, I'm like, how come only two episodes are showing up? And then I immediately remembered, oh, yes, they were 45 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yes, that means uh, Colin Baker only had to go, oh, no, Perry, twice in one story. <laughs> <laughs> so this is written by uh, Pip and Jane Baker, a husband and wife writing team. <laughs> <laughs> The 70s cold, they want their clothes back. <laughs> and it's uh, directed by Sarah Hellings. And uh, I, we should also note that, you know, Pip and uh, Jane Baker went on to also write, uh, I think, the um, Time in the Rani, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So this introduced, wow. yes. this introduced the character of the Rani. It was, uh, this, it took, I, I should also say that this went out on February the 2nd and February 9th of 1985. And um, I'm pointing that out because I <laughs> I may have... Seen, well, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember the exact date, but uh, I may have seen this in, um, in conjunction with those in the UK, if not sooner, because uh, John Nathan Turner and Colin Baker were at a convention in February of 1985 um, in, in Pennsylvania and I was in attendance and they previewed a lot of the new Colin Baker uh, episodes. So I, I got, it was a special treat because Colin Baker was also in the audience while we were watching it on this big, this is like the first time seeing Doctor Who on a big screen because they, it, it, it's, I, I just hit my microphone. I'm sorry about that. I'm so excited. <laughs> but there's, because uh, I'm talking with my hands, which I shouldn't really be doing with an audio podcast because it makes no sense. Only I can see myself. So it's a huge screen because it was a convention center and it was, um, it was the first time seeing, you know, uh, for myself, seeing Doctor Who on, on the big screen, so to speak, which they projected. And John Nathan Turner brought over a lot of the new Colin Bakers, which hadn't been shown in the U.S. at all. So, in fact, I think some of the episodes we might have previewed hadn't been shown in the U.K. yet. I mean, they were about to, but it was um, it was a real treat. So, and I think this was one of them. So, there's a bit, a bit of nostalgia there for me. I'm sorry, did, I think Dave... You... Did, did, you say, did, did, he, did he say, lock the doors, you're going to watch Vengeance on Varos? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know Attack of the Cybermen was one. Um, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I could be mistaken. Maybe Mark of the Round he wasn't. I, you know, memory sometimes um, plays tricks on you, especially on me. So, uh, but I, I, he definitely, you know, showed a few of the new Colin Baker stories. And um, and like I said, Colin Baker actually was in the audience, you know, commenting. You know, it wasn't a commentary, but, you know, he once in a while you would hear him say something. So it just it just added to the delight. Before we just uh, talk about it, uh, I want to give uh, Ian a bit of a shout out because, um, as you said, this uh, this was on uh, February second and ninth, nineteen eighty five, and this is uh, season twenty two. Uh, Ian gets about me. He, he says I go on a lot of podcasts, but he was uh, with Brent on the Quest is the Quest, and I think uh, you got season 22 to talk about didn't you yes i do believe we did yeah so uh, you can hear not only ian's thoughts today on podshock but you've got to hear about I contradict myself 
<laughs> if you're listening to on the Quest is the Quest, find him on the Dot, uh, Dot Who Podcast Alliance page or look it up on Google. And the episode that dealt with season 22, one of the longest episodes of the Quest is the Quest. Ian is on that it one. It was not. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't was it? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it had something to do with the Rani and time dilation. I think. Mm. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's. I, I think we're getting. I, I'm, I'm jumping. Well, maybe I shouldn't. Uh, I don't know. It's. It's. We already did the spoiler alert. But um, speaking of time dilation, towards the end of this episode, I'm not, I mean, again, we're assuming you've seen it already. Um, there's an instance where. There's there's time spillage in the in the Ronnie's TARDIS, and if I'm not mistaken, isn't that the same thing that happened in Journey through Journey to the Center of the TARDIS? Um, most recently, wasn't there? Uh, wasn't the 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 fact that um, you know the, that we were seeing it was leaking? Yeah, yeah. So it was. I, I thought that was a nice little you know continuity, you know. Um, link up link there oh there's lots of things like that i mean if you want to jump around like that i mean uh, there's a there's a part in here where the the doctor's strapped to like a mining trolley well actually ah, a, a mm-hmm. trolley of the run i know where you're going that, with this and that reminded me spearhead from space yes. and the third doctor. exactly i thought the same thing so basically so, uh, lots of things like that this is a historical episode and to the fact that this takes place during the Industrial Revolution, you know, there's uh, some characters there that have that are, you know, actual histori- historical figures like, you know, George Stevenson and, um, you know, so, of, of course... Faraday and, yeah. I, I mean, gone are the days of pure historical stories in Doctor Who, so it's, it's always going to have mm. some sort of sci-fi element with the... But it's, it's nice when they do have historical episodes and as i always say i always love stories that have a lot of location shooting and this is one of them where there's a lot of location shooting there um uh you know they used um this um facility the um the iron bridge gorge museum as a shooting location which added some authentic authenticity to uh to this story more it's one of these um, active Active museums that, that they actually like show uh, the techniques that were used for mining, etc. You know, back when the facility was active. So it's one of those. It's a great location to be used for 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 a story like this because you know you really get these things moving and you know um, you know proper looking period piece. Mm-hmm. You know, you, nothing you get that here in the US. And absolutely fabulous. I mean, I think it's a very small area. I mean, they made it look a little bit more established mm. than it was. But um, uh, later, I'll talk a little bit about some of the extras on the DVDs, and uh, it shows you uh, the site that they used, uh, which is is not in the same location as the the accents would have you uh, believe. Uh, uh, some very funny uh, accents in there where they think that the doctor talks with a funny accent. Uh, and, well, in fact, the master as well. But um, And we should say that, that uh, although this is the mark of the Rani, it's one of the few stories where we have three time laws in yeah. the episode. Yeah. 
Because not right. only is it the introduction to the Rani, but it's also the return of the Master. And interesting enough, we, we get no explanation on how he returned because we've we seen him um, destroyed in, in, the, in the previous story by, by Peter Davison's story. Uh, was it Planet of Fire? Or, um, yeah. yeah, Planet of Fire and the, uh, in the, in the, uh, the gas chamber. Uh, burned alive, basically. So we are led to believe. And the doctor believes. That mm -hmm. In fact, yeah. before we go um, any further. And no welcome. You're not. Mm, fascinating. But then anything connected with you would undoubtedly be fascinating, my dear Ronnie. I thought that last mad scheme of yours had finished you for good. <laughs> you jest, of course, I'm indestructible. The whole universe knows that. Is that so? Really, my dear Ronnie, you and I should be friends. I'm one of your greatest admirers. Oh, don't bother with flattery. I know why you're here. I saw the doctor. Then you know why I need your cooperation. Cooperation? I want nothing to do with you. You'll change your mind when you hear my proposition. I am not interested in your pathetic vendetta, one way or the other. Now clear off and let me get on with my work. If only it were that simple. However, I'm afraid you've very little choice. Either you collaborate or I bring this little venture to an extremely untimely end. Josh, Tom, kill! No, Josh, stand still! You and the Doctor are a well-matched pair of pests. You bring nothing but trouble. Now I need a new assistant. I wasn't wrong. I knew with you as controller it wouldn't be hypnotism, not from a chemist of your caliber. What are they? Parasites you've specially impregnated? Well, a simple way to find out. Why not try some? Thank you, I won't. But I can envisage an occasion when they may serve an excellent cause. I was offering you one, not the lot. I assure you, your generosity will not be wasted. Ah, so it's it's great seeing these two characters working together. I mean, we've seen the master, you know, elicit help from other people, but he was always the, the master and in, in charge. And here now he has someone of equal caliber, the Rani, and he's uh, collaborating together with those and, and up against the doctor. Right. Yeah. And she's a nice, nice counterpoint. Uh, I mean, I think she's a very interesting character because um, she's not... You know, she's not uh, involved with trying to uh, uh, suppress Earth or whatever. In fact, she she's she has her own planet, her own people mm -hmm. that right. she uh, is is leader of, and that's referred to in the story. Uh, and basically, she's a, a scientist. Yeah, she uh, wants to do her foremost. own work. But she, uh, you know, she's not looking for world, you know, yeah. universal domination. She's looking to do what she wants to do, and she doesn't want anyone to interfere with what you know her. Her plans and but it's not a you know it's it's not a big vendetta. She's against a scientist, but she's a bit yeah. She's a bit of a um, the evil one at that. I mean, it's 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 science for pure science, you know, regardless of what the the uh, the means are. You know, mm -hmm. um, she'll experiment on anybody or anything to get the results that she wants. So yeah, I mean. And, and, in that regard, yes, she is evil, but it's a different kind of evil from the master. The master just wants to control and lead and 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 rule, uh, whereas the Rani just—it's just for science. 
Well, it, yeah, it, it, I mean, in some ways, it's it's rather worse in one effect because she, she you knows she doesn't think of people as actually having a, a you know, a soul or a body. Uh, I mean, it's not inferred in this story in any which way at all. But if if you wanted to think of a, a real-life comparison, you, you're talking about Dr. Mengel or somewhere like that, you know, from, the, you know, one of the, the experimenters from the, you know, the Nazi uh, death camps or whatever, where basically she just sees the human beings as, as fodder for her experiments. Now, in this case, you could argue that it's not just an experiment. She's extracting this vital, something like dopamine, I think you would call it, uh, equivalent in, in the real world uh, from these brains uh, because, um, because that's something that uh, is, is required back on her home world. It, it induces and, um, sleep. It induces okay. sleep. So when, you, when she extracts it, these uh, people, mostly men in this episode... Are, go without sleep and then they get a bit wiry. Yeah, mm. uh, I mean, I think the cl the closest relationship to hers as a, a time lord is probably the meddling monk, uh, mm. if you can go back that far. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Interesting thing about this story that, that I didn't realise is um, this is the last Doctor Who story to have a female director until the episode Blink. Really? Which was directed by Hedy McDonald. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's it's stunning that, that that it took that long again before we had I mean I know that there weren't uh, a lot of episodes after following this one, but uh yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and one of the things if uh, I'll jump in about the extras now one of the extras is um, an interview with uh, Pip and Jane Baker. And one of the things that they say when they were approached to actually do this, um, they were um, they were told, um, you, know, you know, how to bring this person to life. Um, so it was their decision that it was going to be a female Time Lord. It was their decision uh, that it was going to be, you know, a scientist and a sort of, um, you know, emotionally bereft scientist at that. Uh, apparently they they had um at the time the script came to them or this outline that, that they were working on and this is as i say i'm one of the extras on here uh and very prolific extras there are indeed on this dvd release mm. um they um they actually had a a, a chemist friend of theirs staying yeah and, and he was working on uh, uh things of this nature and uh so it, it it was a little bit of serendipity, really, that um, uh, they had this relationship. They were the people chosen, but they had the foresight that um, to see that this would work extremely well. I mean, I, I uh, when I watch things like um, I don't know Spider Man or, or Batman, I, I always bemoan the fact that you know they have you know. They're always up against two villains. They can't have just one storyline. There always has to be two villains mm. in it. Mm. And sometimes you could have argued, especially like you said, Lewis, you, you look at the DVD, there's only two episodes, admittedly, the double-length one, so let's call it a four-part story. But to actually uh, manipulate the storyline where you have three very, very powerful and on-screen important characters the Doctor, the Master and the Rani, and to give them each sufficient storyline and reason to be there. And then the conflicts that that, that brings together enhances the story. It just doesn't, you know, you know, the, the, the Rani's not 
merely the pawn of the master. Um, she has her own facilities. Indeed, there's a couple of instances in the uh, in the storyline where the master, you know, uh, congratulate the Rani. In fact, the doctor does when he goes into her um, uh, Italis. And, and one great thing is, uh, it made me think of the tenth doctor in uh, Is It Silence in the Library, where he suddenly realizes he can click to open the door. Um, but one of the things that the the doctor has never had at this stage was um, a remote control uh, because mm -hmm. one of the things that the Rani does is that she, they're in the mind, they're in the master, and even the master is saying, you've got a remote control. I mean, never mind that you're, you're, you're uh, you know, $60 Roku now is a remote control. <laughs> <laughs> they're surprised in 1985 that you can have a remote control for your TARDIS. Yeah. Which and the end of this episode, the doctor could have used it too, but instead, uh, George uh, George Stevenson um, gathered up. I don't know what he said about 50, 50 workers, whatever, and hold the TARDIS up because uh, at some point in this in this story, the the TARDIS falls into um, a mining well. Yeah. Uh, another yeah. interesting um, aspect, you know, you mentioned about the director is that. The music here was a uh, this uh, the music that you see that you hear in this story. It, they originally had hired a different composer for the music, John Lewis, who had uh, composed the score. And actually, um, he was suffering. I don't know what I don't know the particulars, but he was suffering an Ill, an illness during it. And unfortunately, he passed away while working on the score for this. So it was never completed. And Jonathan Gibbs came in. And um, without hearing what what the previous composer did, just read the score. So I, I thought the music worked well, mostly, but there were certain scenes where it just didn't seem to work um, as well. And, and during and on the extras on the DVD, they do give you a sample of the original music, and it, and I have to say I like the original music as well. It's just too bad of the you know the circumstance that he was not able to finish it and. Um, it might have been a, might have had a different feeling, you know, for the whole story if we had the original soundtrack. Yeah, be interesting, you know. That was completed. You got to feel sorry for for Anthony Ainley though. It's like the pitch on this one must have been difficult to to kind of stop. Yeah, it. because I mean, it's almost like a replacement. If those those. Yeah, those of you, those of us who know, know that Anthony Ainley was um, independently wealthy. Um, I'm not saying he was a millionaire or anything, but he didn't he didn't want for for anything. He liked playing the master. He liked, you know, um, he had a, a deal going with uh, the production, um, and for his continued involvement with that character and. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's gonna it's gonna seem slightly strange that they're they're bringing in basically the female equivalent of his character, um, and, and what's more is he 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 plays second fiddle in this story mm -hmm. to the Rani. Um, you know, he comes off as kind of just you know spiteful, vengeful, you know, little upstart really, rather than the um, domineering. Um, take over the world kind of guy that we've seen prior, you know? Mm. 
Yeah, and he Anthony Anley was very much uh, he 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 was very passionate about the character. He and he guarded it, and it was very much his baby in a sense. And if you've seen him in per, at you know yeah. at conventions or whatnot, um, I think you this would have been um, you know you you would have seen this there because he just uh, he 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 really had a fondness to the, to the character, and and like you said, he didn't have to do it, but I think he he really enjoyed playing the master. Right. So yeah, it had to be a bit of a, a difficult thing to stomach, like you know, playing you know second fiddle to to, to Kate Mara. But it must be oh. kind of fun too, because Kate Mara is, you know, really was sorry, <laughs> uh, quite a, a gifted actress and uh, did play plays the part superbly. Yeah. Now, now we lost um, them. It both. would be. I think. I think it would be. I think it'd be more of an insult if you were you were being replaced by somebody who was a bit shy at it. <laughs> but would you say he played second fiddle to her? I mean, I think it was pretty well balanced. The uh, the the, um, the the way they had screen time and uh, I mean, yeah. and how it worked. Yeah, screen time it was fine, but the way the Rani treats the master and the master's ultimate goal in this. Is just to destroy the doctor, takes him down that level of 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 menace to rather than wanting to control the earth yeah, or I, you know. I, I agree with Ian. He he really was the master was observing a lot. You can see this and and just watching the story, you see him just like watching characters. He wasn't really taking the lead and and steering, you know, the, the story as he would normally. Ah. Now, well, I disagree there because if if you know the quite a lot of stories in the classic series where you know you see somebody hunched over a monitor and you can only see the back of them, and of course, uh, regulars things that's going to turn out to be the master, uh, and often it was. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But he, he would often, you know, think of keeper of track and something like that. He would be in that sort of watching uh, mm-hmm. and, and and off-screen point of view and skulking about, as you might say. I've just got slightly distracted. I've just noticed that um, one of the th- other things he was in was uh, Blood on Satan's Claw, which, uh, as everybody will know, that was a Wendy Pamry uh, uh, horror... Well, she wasn't the main member of the cast. Patrick Weimart was, but... Um, I didn't realise he was in Blood on the Satan's Claw with her. But no, uh, going back to this, I I thought it it was pretty well written to be able to have, you know, three ginormous egos, as it were, uh, in there. And you could argue with uh, uh, Stevenson, a fourth ego. um, I I, I think it was great. I think the only disappointment I had with the storyline was um, you kept hearing this roll call of... um, great scientists and you know uh, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, when i first watched it I, uh, years and years ago well perhaps not when i first watched it when i watched it last before reviewing it for this i seem to remember well how can these people from you know such advanced civilizations get you know so admired about reading names you know uh, you know from the industrial revolution period here on earth and then you go back to something like uh, Star Trek Voyager, where Catherine Janeway, you know, is interested in, you know, scientists from Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci or, or whatever. The point is that 
you've got to think that if somebody is of a highly intelligence like that, um, they may be limited by the technology of their time. But if you could introduce them to concepts, then their intelligence would shine through. So now when I was watching it this time and I was reading this list of scientists and, and how, you know, the, the master's uh, appeal to the Rani is, you know, don't you realise we've got a much bigger thing here? And the Rani says, I'm not interested in your plots of world domination. I've got my own little thing. And he says, but if we go ahead and, and mould this world through these people and get a conclave based together, you can have all, the, basically he's offered her all the bodies she wanted uh, so she could uh, take this, um, you know, this material from their brains. So... Uh, I think there's an awful lot to be said for how well constructed this plot was. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, uh, I was watching it for this podcast again, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't um, a, a trial or task by any means. Uh, and uh, you know, I watched it through virtually back to back, and um, the 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 whole place that it was done at gave it that authenticity. Some of the accents were a little bit overdone, but um, uh, all in all, I, I thought it was a tremendous uh, thing. Kate Amara, I mean, it, it seems unbelievable now when I think about it that the, that the Rani was only in these two stories. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, not not um, counting dimensions and time, which we don't talk about. Um, yeah, it's... Right. It, it, she be the character became a legendary status just and and it was only in two stories. It's sort of like, um, you know, um, the Zygons. You know, everyone for years people have been asking Dr. Pachak when all the Zygons are going to come back. And and the same thing with the Rani. People are always anytime there's a female villain introduced, you know, in an upcoming story, is it going to be the Rani? You know, and so it's she uh, the, the character gained legendary status with just two two stories, really. Right. Yeah, like you're saying, it's like everybody is like uh, um, in the Adipose episode, uh, uh, the nanny and that. Everybody was like, oh, well, she's got a sonic device. She must be the Rani. <laughs> it's, you know, uh, my, my it is amazing for just two episodes. The Rani you know, um, stamped her at her place in, in, in the history of Doctor Who. Yeah, I mean, I know some people want Joanna Lumley to be the Doctor, but I want Joanna Lumley to be the Rani. Oh, that would be fantastic, actually. I'm still waiting for the return of the meddling monk. Be great. Oh, <laughs> Peter Butterfield. Loved loved him. Brilliant. Brilliant. He's, a, he's another be, one that gained uh, a little status there with just one one story. Yeah. That's the other thing. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, you, you you know a good character when when uh, everybody wants them to come back, um, and and the Rani's no different. Yeah, uh, one of the things I did like about this, by the way, I mean, it was a historical story, and uh, one of the things was there was a, there was a scene where the Doctor was obviously fascinated by this engine because, of course, uh, the rocket that Stevenson uh, developed, uh, which which became. You know, so important and pivotal in uh, in transport and so on. But in actual fact that you know uh, the engine he was working on was originally, as it, as it showed here, it was to do with the coal mines. And um, there's a scene where the doctor, you know, he he wants to basically play with 
hands and <laughs> with this steam powered thing. Uh, but then there's a lovely bit in it because um, the doctor, uh, you know, the, Stevenson asks him to help him. And I think it would have been terrible, terrible in, in one sense, if the doctor had told Stevenson, you know, how to make the engine be more efficient. Mm -hmm. Because that way it's like sort of taking, detracting from. A yeah. human being. There, there was that temptation, uh, so, but so he, but he, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't go but, on. Yeah, it, it, well, he got called away, but he couldn't. Of course, the doctor's ego. He couldn't. Um, uh, uh, he couldn't. Uh, his parting words were something like, um, "Well, it's a rocket of an idea, or something like that." He wanted to implant the word "the rocket." Yes, but he the did point a pun. Is They still left it. Yeah, yeah, but he still left it that this man still achieved this uh, thing. In other words, the doctor didn't change history in terms of he invented it for him, uh, which I, I did appreciate. Yeah. And I think back in those days, the, the, the BBC were a bit more sensitive about, you know, um, you know uh, not having an effect on history uh, that, 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 that would get the educators up in arms. Well, we, you know, and it didn't stop the doctor previously. You know, the the the, the great Rome, the, the great fire in Rome. You know, it was started by the doctor. Uh, the the London fires, and you know, it, 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 there's. Uh, uh, well, uh, if you talk about the fires of Pompeii, in actual fact, in the story as it was unfolding, the volcano wasn't going off. No, no, I, I was talking about the first doctor. I, I was talking about the William Hartnell story. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's all right. It what do you think about the... Um, I mean, um, let's get a bit armless here. Um, what, do you, what do you think about those landmines? These uh, yeah, suddenly trees sprouting all over the way. That was a little bit hard to Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a bit silly. It's um, a bit silly. Well, what's even more know, silly I, is when, I like when the tree moved, when, when you know, um, Luke, that turned into a tree, then was able to grab Perry... That that was a little harder to accept. I mean, it's uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I have to stop you there. No, no, you know, no, no. You know, if, yeah, even on. if I was turned into a tree, I would still make a grab for Nicola Bryant. Yeah, I mean, the doctor <laughs> did explain then, but he said something like, "I'm not going to make any wood jokes." You're I when I when I watched it before, I I thought he's he's trying to, uh, you know. It's, it's the trees turned evil. And it was only again watching it now that I realised, of course, that the tree was protecting her from stepping back into the minefield. Uh, but I thought that was good. I mean, the Doctor did at least make a thing. But, um, I mean, there's one bit where the Doctor's being carried on this sort of pole uh, by these people. And these mm -hmm. mines... Uh, I mean, it was a bit unbelievable that the mines have been planted too cl so close that he's, the six-foot pole he was on you know, became the two trees. Yeah, yeah. But then as he slipped from that, There's there was one, another one yeah. below him. So there were like three within six feet where we saw uh, the Rani. Um, it also reminded me a little bit of the five doctors where they're, uh, they're stepping across the as chest as board. Pie. And, uh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah the, the, the way they were laid out. Yeah, I, I thought Perry, you know, was looking down, looking for, I think, for vermilion or whatever the, um, the plant that she was looking for to help induce sleep. And she, she's, we can see the minds ourselves, the audience, and I don't know how she's missing them. 
you know, she's deliberately looking down, you know, whatever. But it's it's one of those things that... Especially since they're making that bleep, bleep, bleep noise. Yeah. Well, they, 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 what they did is when, when they were actually laying them, they showed a covering them. But when they wanted to show danger, they were obviously highly visible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they stick out because they got these keypads. You know, they, they, they don't look anything like, you know, industrial. They, they, they're obviously futuristic devices. And, and speaking about sticking out, we know the Doctor, you know, outfit ensemble tends to stick out. But other than the master making a mention, uh, which we heard in a previous clip about his clothes, you know, he wears yellow trousers and uh, um, an abominable, I don't know, he said something about it, an atrocious coat or whatever. I forgot the, the exact words that he used. But none of the other characters from this uh, time gorgeous period. Gorgeous coat, I think. I think gorgeous, well, gorgeous coat. Uh, but none of the other characters in this That's... story seems to face them at all. You know, they just, you know, um, make no mention of it and he just blends right in. Yeah. Uh, no, there was a lot. I mean, the only other thing that uh, I thought didn't quite ring true is when, when these fellas came out of the bathhouse the first time and they're all invigorated, you know, they'd gone in, they could hardly move, they came out and, uh, and the first thing mm -hmm. to see was this man, it wasn't selling chestnuts, I think he was roasting potatoes or something, and they kick it all over. Now, if I'd have been directing that, uh, I wouldn't have had the little kids playing football with the bloody potatoes, I'd have a, I'd have a load of waifs and strafes uh, sort of diving on the potatoes and running away with them because that might be the only food they ate that day. You know, um, that, that was um, one thing that I, I picked up on that. Yeah. Yep. Well, life it, it, is hard well, in those days. I mean... Well, I mean, I was just saying, you know, if we're going to, um, since we're on a little bit more of a critical um, run right here, I, I thought some of the fighting scenes, some of the sequences there didn't come across as well as they could have. There, there, there were some scenes that it just looked a little bit staged, you know, as it, it didn't, the, maybe it was the camera angles. I'm not sure exactly, you know, some, maybe the timing on some of the stunt people. Uh, oh, speaking of stunts, Colin Baker uh, we, you know, Dave, you mentioned before about him going down. He was he was put on this um, this uh, cart or whatever, and it was going down this um, this pathway, and it reminds us of Spearhead from Space with, you know, the Third Doctor. I think it was on a wheelchair in in that case. But the, Colin Baker on the on the um, on the extras here talks about that he did his own stunts here. He broke he um, he dislocated his pinky, and when he was hanging on the from the chains um, above the the chasm going into the to the mine well. Right. Well, well, well. The Rani. You were expecting to see the master? To see? Not exactly. He was burnt to a crisp the last time I saw him. Your smugness is misplaced. He's here. He's very much alive, and he wants vengeance. Curse the pair of you. Well, since we're insulting each other, I can't say I care much for your taste in clothes. Doesn't do a thing for you. Mm. Your regeneration's not too attractive either. But at least I can change my appearance. You're stuck with what you've got. Our face is of no importance. Brain regeneration's what I need. I should have been able to pin this one down to you. Personality changes, probably due to an imbalance in body chemicals. Yes, you're the obvious culprit. Well, you had me fooled, if that's any consolation. It isn't. You'd have been discovered eventually, you know, even without my intervention. I never have. Oh? 
Well, this isn't your first visit. I've been coming to this wretched planet for centuries. Without being discovered? Well, I'm impressed. You're obviously a brilliant tactician as well as a brilliant chemist. Oh, it isn't difficult. These humans you so admire are a feckless lot, always in disarray. The Trojan Wars, the Dark Ages, the American War of Independence. And now the Luddite riots. Perfect cover. Cover, yes. But for what? I think I've got it. You're extracting a chemical from the brain. The result is the victims become violent, aggressive, can't rest. That's it. The chemical that promotes sleep. I begin to understand why the Master finds you such a menace. Well, there you go. That's um, Colin Baker discovering the, the Ronnie there. Uh, not Colin, well, the Sixth Doctor. Who, me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I have you called. Right. Yeah, just stamping away from the story a minute. I mean... One of the extras on it is a, a lovely little uh, feature. It's from the Saturday S Superstore, which is one of the kids' programmes. I mean, there's a lovely blue... Well, actually, the Blue Peter one is a bit of a historical one, but it's it, that's quite interesting because it has Peter Purves presenting mm, it. Yeah. And, of course, Peter played uh, Stephen with the uh, former early companion. doctor. But yeah. um, this Saturday... Yeah, they've got this call-in. One, the one of the people that calls in is a, is a girl called Nicola Bryant... Talking to Nicola Bryant on Saturday Superstore, <laughs> and then they take another one, and it's the master, and it's uh, Anthony Amesley that calls in as the master, calling the doctor out. There's some great extras. There's um, uh, uh, there's an alternative soundtrack. Uh, there's the Doctor Who annual if you have a DVD to put um, a computer to put it in. Um, there's a photo gallery. Uh, there's some uh, now and then showing this uh, the place where it was filmed, what it looks like, and um, uh, production subtitles. And then there's commentaries: uh, Colin Baker, uh, Nicola Bryant, Kate O'Mara, and um, there's there's um, there's a piece with Nicola Bryant talking as well, and uh, and Pippa. And uh, the reason I mention this and take a little bit of time uh, to talk about it is that. Um, one of the things about the, the two missing DVDs that we talked about recently, uh, Lewis, you know, the Enemy two, of the World the two and stories, uh, yes. Weather Fear, yeah, they, they, they were rushed out, uh, and, and I'm not decrying that because there was people wanted to see them, uh, but there was virtually n no extras on those, uh, just a little trailer, I think, on each one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's nice to see this. As you say, you get it and you think, God, there's only two episodes. I paid full price for something and there's that. But there is an awful lot of uh, stuff on here. Yeah, it's always, that's, uh, that's like we were saying before when we talk about streaming services, the advantage with discs and disc services like Netflix is that you get the extras. So it's always, uh, you know, um, when, it, when it comes to Doctor Who, you know, it's always great to have those discs because of those extras. And especially with the, um, you know, stuff from the past, it's, um, you don't get it, you don't get to see those. I mean, they didn't, they didn't produce those extras at the time. These are new extras that are being done now. So it's, um, you know, sometimes uh, like with the newer episodes of Doctor Who, they had, um, you know, th th they may have tacked on some either BBC America or BBC itself, you know, these behind the scenes little segments or interviews with actors and whatnot. And back then in the day, at least in the U.S., you didn't see that. Uh, obviously, in the U.K., you, you could tune into 
uh, Blue Peter or, or whatnot and see some stuff like that. So, but speaking of seeing stuff, it's, you know, it was always good in, um, you know, when we see the Master's TARDIS interior because we only see the Doctor's TARDIS. And here we get to see another TARDIS, the interior of the Ron. Well, we see the exterior too, but I think they did an outstanding job. I think that was, I remember at the time, you know, back in 1985 being wowed by that because, um, you know, they, they were very creative and it had a very, it, it had a great look, you know, at, at that time. I mean, we, we've, we've been spoiled since because now, you know, they, they have the budget to do a little bit more elaborate interior sets. But back then, you know, for that time, they did a great job there with that, with the Ronnie's TARDIS. I, I like the exterior. I think the exterior worked rather well yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't get much. We, we, it just comes off as a almost like a, a covered or, or wardrobe closet or something like that. I mean, we don't really see much of it in, in, the, in the story, but... But it has like two vertical lights yes, on it, two, and yeah. um, S- similar to the like to the cabinet. the police box uh, light on the top. Yeah, it, they would pulsate as it was um, dematerializing. Uh, no, I think it was all good. I mean, there's uh, things like that had been well thought out. I mean, there was this gas that was used, and the, these sort of gas masks that they had were these mm. futuristic-looking gas masks. Uh, and then there's the bit where the doctors, as say, the doctors strapped to this uh, track, and uh, uh, this is the first time when uh, George Stevenson comes into the story. And um, just, <laughs> just like a doctor or anybody who's a, a real scientist, he stops the doctor going down the shaft, but then instead of releasing him from this, <laughs> his bonds, he said, oh, that's a strange metal. I've never seen that metal before. <laughs> uh, a very doctorish... In in the sense, and the doctor says, right. "Well, that's all very well, but release me." And yeah. um, I thought that worked. That scene was really good. Oh, and speaking of extras, as always, I have to put a word in for the for the info text. Ah, indeed. If 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 you haven't discovered this yet on a Doctor Who DVD, always watch it for the info. Turn the info text on and watch it again. Yes, because it's fantastic. Great information. Yeah, you know, it's that next level of. Of information of of uh, telling you, you know, I mean, it can be as, as as simple as it was raining on the day that they filmed this, and so it was very very difficult. To some really in depth stuff about yeah, scene you know, by scene casting or mm-hmm. yeah, it'll That's, tell you it's, about it's, location it's, filming. And, it's always great stuff watching that, you know, and. <laughs> You, you get that much more out of the DVD. Again, that's another asset about having the D- DVD over streaming services right. and stuff like that. Especially if it's written by Paul Schoons. <laughs> I was waiting <laughs> for get that. A name drop in there. Yes. He's a good guy. Paul Schoons name drop. Uh, Paul, Paul Schoons one week, John Marriman the next. I don't know. G.G. Edgley another. Oh, did I tell you that I met John Barrowman? Yeah, I, I think we failed to mention that. <laughs> Hello, nurse. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, anyway, back to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, what yeah, else? It's, it's, it's a nice little episode. Um, it, you know, um, it's an 80s episode. What do you want? Um, well, it, it, okay, that, that's a good monsters. point. It's, it, this is, when this went out... Unfortunately, the news also was uh, came out when this was um, when when this was being transmitted that 
that Doctor Who is going to go on hiatus. They they had they had stories lined up and writers lined up, and they were about to begin production. Right. So this was sort of a a, a big. You know, down. You know, not in the, obviously not in the episode itself, but coinciding with this, that um, a big bomb of bad news for Doctor Who fans. Right. Doctor in distress. Oi. Let me ask you, Levine. You look at the <laughs> But yeah, it, 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 I mean. I mean, my wrap-up, I don't know if we'll get to that point yet, but uh, it, it's a good episode. I mean, I don't mind watching it. Um, yeah, there's some liberties taken with history, but uh, anytime you can introduce... Hello? Hello. <laughs> Hello? Hello. Hello. So we changed into a tree. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We're in trouble now. Still turned to stress. Alright, alright, alright. <laughs> it's really one of those things that you just really kind of cringe and think about. It's like, you know... Really, that's what you were doing. I mean, basically, they were doing a a, a light, um, uh, yeah, band aid type thing. For anybody who doesn't know what that reference means, uh, yes. look it up. Um, which, basically, which to, to live feed aid. starving people in Africa. Yeah, <laughs> you get live aid, band aid. You know, trying to feed people in Africa, mm-hmm. and then Doctor Who does their own thing. To bring back Doctor Who, it's just it's cringeworthy. Not just because of the music, just because of the fact that really, um, it's kind of like saying you know uh, you're trying to raise money for homeless people, and then somebody comes up with a thing saying that they really miss the well, grape flavored. Didn't they um, candy? Didn't they, whatever money they did raise from that, didn't it go to some charity, if I'm not mistaken? I, 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 I don't I'm know. sure, but it's just still one of those kind of like, that's what you were complaining about, you know? Hey. <laughs> Doctor Who's going on hiatus. People are complaining oh, right now. They have to wait have eight this. months for uh, for new Doctor Who. You know, it's, uh, well, now we're in April, but it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> eight months is too long to wait. But back then, 15 months. Bring back Peter Capaldi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Don't hesitate. Yeah, some fans have a lot to answer for. <laughs> and some producers have a lot to answer for. Well, we won't yes. get into that. Back, back to the story at hand. Well, um, the, 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 the Mark Narani, I think, is a good story, um, except for the Mark being just like a red. Yeah, what's the mark story with that? I mean, on not only that, thing. it changes size depending on. It's it changes size. Yeah, yeah it seems well, like it's really big on some people and really and smaller on others. And uh, th- th- this is the the tool that the Ronnie uses, <laughs> well, you know, uh, <laughs> and leaves a mark around uh, uh, oh, on the neck my. there. But <laughs> my mark's bigger than yours is. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, hey, it's sort of like a hickey on the neck, except for it's yeah. perfectly it's like round. Like the Ronnie's been like 
Yeah, they're not even sucking all these people's necks. <laughs> oh, you have to stop it soon. You'll be talking about leather pants. <laughs> oh, well. Are we back to John Barrowman again? Something like that. <laughs> Jumpers. Jumpers. Yep. We're wearing lots of jumpers from now on. Well, we have one last clip and then. We'll, yeah, me we'll... personally, not. not... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk Pippa about it. Pippa Baker would be in dead leather. <laughs> Where last, are we going? Back, you incompetent egoist. Give me my file. This, the precious brain fluid, and I thought you were waiting for me. If I didn't need that desperately, I'd have put light years between us. What better reason could I have for keeping it? You'll play that card once too often. With you on the scene, I might be wiser to cut my losses and go. Perhaps this will make you change your mind. Read it. The meeting's been cancelled? No, it was never delivered. Well... You disappoint me. A scientist and you're not thinking objectively. Davy, Faraday, Telford and others. Over 20 men of genius. Have you no conception of what we could achieve if we controlled them? Harness their genius and this planet could become the platform for the most devastating power in the universe. You're forgetting I already rule a planet, Maya Zimiagoria. Help me and I promise you, all the facilities you need. Instead of sneaking back here in disguise, you'll be able to set up a laboratory and process as many humans as you choose. A hundred, a thousand, there are millions of them. What guarantee would I have? My need. That unique box of parasites will not go far. Only you have the formula. The Time Lords will never permit it. <laughs> Who's going to alert them? Indeed. We must hurry. Haven't you overlooked something? You can hardly take them out onto the streets. No, you're right, I can't. The Mark. The title of the episode. <laughs> have, we Sorry, been about, have we been talking about Mark of the Rani? <laughs> I think so. It's always time for the Rani. Who do you want to go first, Lewis? Well, I thought this is, I, you know, obviously it's a significant episode. It introduces the Rani. It has the return of the Master. Um, the Rani becomes this, like, legendary status. We see her again, uh, you know, um, shortly, you know, after, after, well, not... We, we have another series and then after, um, another, you know, the hiatus and all that. And then uh, Time time of the Rani introduces uh, Sylvester McCoy. And we have, uh, but we're not talking about that story. We're not. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, nope. I, I have to say, yes, I, I do enjoy this immensely more than Time of the Rani. It's, it's hard to get through that. It was, a, it was a bit of a chore reviewing that when we did like four years ago. But this I you know I thought the pacing here was a little slow, uh, you know when when you compare we just reviewed two Troughton episodes um, the the um, enemy of the world and the web of fear and I thought like the enemy of the world the pacing was much faster for a 1968 you know story compared to to this one though they're two different stories so you know ev- you know not every story has to have the same pacing so. Um, I th- but they are six episodes. I mean, yes. Remember, this yeah. is only equivalent to four. Yeah. So and and you. Um, so the fact that they kept that pacing up for six episodes was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, Sorry. The Ronnie's makeup in this. That there were some scenes that it just seemed a little harsh. You know, I think maybe they made up for it in Time of the Ronnie, where 
she had a different look and uh, maybe a little less harsh makeup, though she was dressed up as Mel at one point, which we, can't, we won't get into that. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think overall, I, I enjoyed the, the historical nature of this story. Um, I, I, you know, I... I I love the, the Ronnie's TARDIS and, um, you know, I, I think she was a good character to introduce, you know, and it's, it's good to see, um, you know, a, a major female character, you know, as a nemesis, uh, once again in, in the series and an ongoing, um, character at that another time Lord or time lady, though they didn't use the term time lady in this story, but, um, there were obviously, uh, no. three time Lords here. It's, it's a rare treat that we get a story of that, you know, nature. Um, I'm going to give it three and a half TARDIS groans um, out of five. I, 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 I did enjoy it, and I, um, I, there's a bit of a nostalgia there because I, I do remember seeing, um, if not this, I think this was presented in, in that convention I was talking about with John Nathan Turner and Colin Baker back in February 1985. So it was, um, it was a real treat seeing this, if not before the UK, but at the same time as the UK, which at now we take it for granted, you know, um, here today in the U.S. seeing Doctor Who immediately. But back in the day, there was like months of wait that, you, you know, or, or you, you get your hands on a DVD, not a DVD. We didn't have DVDs at the time. A, a, a uh, VHS tape that was that a camcorder was used to record off a U.K. PAL screen. <laughs> it's a flicker. You would get a headache watching. Yeah. Here, you're all excited to see new Doctor Who, and you come away with a with a glaring headache because of the the, the pulsating flashing of the, you know, using a camera against another, you know, pal, um, you know, um, you know, one of those old analog television sets and all that. But, um, yeah. So, uh, like I said, I, I think it's um, it, it, and it, and what's to and in comparison to Time of the Ronnie, yeah, I think it's. It's light years ahead. Who goes next, Dave? Rochambeau for it. <laughs> you go. Go on. All right. Uh, yeah, it's a perfectly serviceable story. Um, we get a great introduction to a, to to like we've said earlier, a character that's that's lasted in the mythology of, of Doctor Who. You know, continually crops up. Uh, I, I don't mind the tree effect. The whole tree thing does not bother me. Um, I quite like it for the time that the story was made. Uh, the, the the lines that she laid, the effect uh, of, of, of bringing the tree into existence, I think works really, really well. Um, I, I kind of watch it and go, you know, that I don't see them doing anything better than that with a... Uh, practical effect you know anywhere um, again uh, we're, we're introducing historical characters uh, into a story um, and anytime you introduce a historical character if it means somebody will look them up and and mm -hmm. to find out a little bit more as to why and how and you know what were the Luddite riots you know um, it even if it's not, you know, pinpoint accurate, or even if it's not <laughs> sixty percent accurate, at least people will, you know, some people will go and and, and check out the facts and and look into it. So uh, historical accuracy is not necessarily a necessity in an Doctor Who story. 
um, involving a historical character uh, can sometimes be a plus, you know, and, and educational. Oh, absolutely. Um, I agree. I, I, mean, give it- I, I love the young Indiana Jones Chronicles for that reason as well, because it, you know, it showed a little right. history. It got people interested. So even though in reality, Indiana Jones weren't with these historical figures, it it opened up. Um, and I don't want to just say young people, but people of any age watching it. Uh, you know, myself, you know, I may not know who uh, George Stevenson is. So, you, you know, now you can find out for yourself and what significance he had, you know, as a engineer and, um, you know, and, and what role he played in history. Right. I still, I'm um, probably going to give it just three title scrolls, uh, just because the way that the master is kind of misused. I mean, he does have the scheme of like, well, you know, if we used all these geniuses that are coming here, you know, to our own means, I, I'm still not sure how that works out to be a, a, a grand plan. Um, yeah, he seems to be only out for vengeance on, on the Doctor. He doesn't seem... Yeah. It like, seems to be his only plot in this story. It's, just, it's a shame he wasn't on Veros. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which was um, immediately before this. Yeah. Um, it, it's just one of those things where... Um, yeah, he does have this 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 other plan, but it still doesn't seem like a a, a, a well thought out one because I, I really don't see how harnessing the intellect of people uh, from this age uh, is any better than you mm. using your own intellect. You're a time lord for crying out loud! You've mastered time travel. Um, your intellect surely is leaps and bounds. You know, but yeah, what do I know? What do I know? Um, but still, yeah, I give it, I give it three Tardis groans, Very just because of misuse of the master. How's that? Well, I, I, I Dave, can, I can. Well, what do I know? I know a bit more oh, than yeah. Ian. I know a bit more than Ian. Uh, first of all, with uh, he was there with Stevenson. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, I was ready for that one. I was not there when the Luddites. My mother was born about 100 years after that, so I'm I'm well separated from that event. But, um, I mean, George Stephen, he doesn't claim, as it says here on the wiki page, to have invented a locomotive, but um, his work on the Stockton to Darlington Railway, which is the first railway, and the Liverpool to Manchester Railway, Manchester, yay, where I live, um, and one of the things that you can attribute him to is the, the standard gauge for railways that's throughout most of the world, although I think America has a wider gauge than us, um, because he realised that at some point all these railway lines would come together and he was far-sighted enough for that. And he's one of Britain's 100 greatest Britons. Now, before you start yawning, let me move away from that. Um, I, I liked it a lot... One of the uh, things that I made another connection with is um, I made a connection with Star Trek The Next Generation. You think, what? He's losing his marbles. Well, the thing I'm talking about here is the Times Arrow, uh, the two-part episode, because in the Times Arrow, you had a story where we have these aliens that, um, that visits Earth um, and they take place in the 19th century cholera 
uh, outbreak to draw the life force from humans in affected air areas. So you remember, you know, mm-hmm. Be- uh, Beverly Crusher goes to this hospital and so on, and that you see this man with this sort of uh, crooked stick uh, draining things from the people's heads. Uh, so that was a little bit of a a nod, indeed, to the story. And, and this and predates that was, it. Um, this is. In, not- this is 1985. No, no, yeah, this, yeah, this predates it. And that was 19, and that was 1992 when that happened. Uh, other reasons why I like it, I like, like you said, Lewis, I like the, uh, the, um, the, the tar, the, her tardis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the fact that, um, you know, she had that, uh, you know, the admirer she had that uh, remote control. And let's face it, I mean, Ian's going to appreciate this. Wherever you get one Time Lord kicking another Time Lord in the ghoulies, which she did <laughs> to stop the master, <laughs> that, that must be worth watching. Um, and then there was another great quote in it um, where the master says to her, um, in tandem, you and I will rule the universe. And that took me straight away to Blake Seven and Servalan and Avon. Uh, you know, and uh, Avon's uh, great reply to that was, it's talking about I'd be dead with inside a week because Serverland would have got rid of him as soon as that would have been achieved. But it was a great line in in this particular story. So I think it worked really well. I think um, it worked. I mean, I think I would have rather watched it as a four-part story. It certainly wouldn't have stretched mm-hmm. to six parts. As you said, Lewis, the, the, the two missing episodes we did, um, Enemy and uh, Web. Uh, they they had much more content. I think this would have worked as a four part story equally as well as it did as a two part story. I think the the uh, the quality of the you know the costuming, the fact that they had this gift of a place to actually set it in, the the authenticity that that brought to it, awful lot. I mean, um, what else can I say? I mean the the. Uh, one of the other actors, and I think we ought to mention him, is um, yes. Lord, the, the chap who played Lord Ravencraft, mm-hmm. uh, Terence Alexander. He's been in an absolute unbelievable uh, list of uh, shows uh, on TV. Uh, it's almost too much to actually read out here, but um, uh, I'm sure many people watching this on DVD will uh, recognise him. He's, you know, he's the actual... Uh, uh, lead character in this because, as I said, unfortunately we didn't see many of these scientists. That would have uh, worked really well. Um, so, what do I think? I'm a little bit like you. I'm I'm, I'm vacillating between three or four Tardis groans. I'm being time dilated between each of those <laughs> choices. I, Time's I gave. I think I gave. Yeah, I think I gave four. Four and a half did have for the others, and I can't quite give it that. But it's almost a four. It's a strong three and a half. It's almost a four out of five, and it's it, it's worth double the Tardis groans of Time and the Rani. So mm. uh, yeah, let's give it let's give it a four. And the let, I'll tell you what, I'll give the DVD four out of five because of all those extras that are upon it. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, they had the the right. making of uh, Mark, the Mark of the Rani, which was good, and then then and now. Well, you already went through it, so I won't. But they, it's a it's a good um, yeah batch yeah. of extras. All right, indeed. 
Well, good show. Good show. Oh, and, we, and also the uh, I also like the fact that, you know, the Ronnie has these uh, embryos of Tyrannosaurus Rex on the TARDIS. And there's no explanation why, you know, you just have to imagine some sort of scheme she's doing. She might be experimenting or doing something. Uh, and and it's, I, I just like the fact that, you know, they didn't bother. Exp- I like when there's mystery in Doctor Who. Indeed. All right. Well, let's get to feedback. And we do have um, a couple feedbacks, um, a couple co- a, cu- a couple quick feedbacks that we're going to get to. As always, uh, we welcome your feedback. You know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be about the story that we're reviewing, but it could be about anything as long as it's Doctor Who related. You can use the Podshock Public Call box to send us your feedback. It works just like voicemail. You simply call 206-337-4699. And uh, like I said, it's um, it works just like voicemail. Leave a short message, no more than three minutes uh, or less. Add your name so that you know we can introduce you. Uh, or you could use your smartphone and just record a, a voice memo and email it to us at feedback at pachak.net. Um, and I'm saying this only because it's an audio podcast and we prefer audio feedback. But if you want to send us a um, an email just with text, we'll take that too. And again, the, the email address is feedback at podchuck.net. Um, if you want to, you know, sometimes the phone number, the Podchuck public call box number does change, unfortunately. And if you just want to verify that you have the latest number, go to, and if you call the number, if it's not me answering it, it you know it's probably been changed. But go to podchuck.net, our website, um, gallifrenemacy.org. And on the top there, there's a little um, tab for feedback. And that will tell you the, the you know how to send feedback and what the latest number is. So uh, first up is um, in in feedback is Andrew from Minnesota, and this is what Andrew had to say. Hi, this is Andrew from Minnesota. I recently joined as Blue Box Roadster. Uh, just letting you know, I, I recently um, came across Podshock, and I'm currently up to episode 54. And yes, I do have a ways to go, but Actually, it's kind of fun uh, listening to um, your guessing and, and thoughts about what's to come, like Sarah Jane Adventures um, and the new but Doctor Who season at that time. But actually, I was curious. In one of the previous um, Podshocks, Lewis had mentioned uh, he might reconsider Love and Monsters and uh, Fear Her um, if he were able to watch it in a few years. Well, some time's gone by, and I wonder if Lewis has reconsidered his um, TARDIS groans for for those episodes. Anyway, um, cheerio from Minnesota. Thank you very much. Yeah, just like we keep saying, people are watching Doctor Who episodes at their own time. You know, people may not have seen uh, Time of the Roundy. That's uh, not. Uh, Mark of the Roundy, rather, or either one. So we give these spoiler warnings. So uh, I guess the same goes with Doctor Who Pachak. People are, are listening to them going back to the beginning. And I I, I pity those early episodes. Well, actually, episode one is really cringeworthy uh, because of some of the technical um, things that we were dealing with with that first episode. But you know what? You, uh, you live and learn, and we go on. And uh, here we are in episode 301. And um, But going back to... Um, to the question, love and monsters and fear her, have I reconsidered? Um, well, I, to be honest, I have yet to rewatch them again. I haven't brought myself to rewatch them again, though. Eventually, I think I will. But uh, I still have. <laughs> it's it, it, it. I've been that traumatized that now. What is it? 
um, seven years, eight, how many years it's been now since um, six or seven years since um, those two episodes went out. I still haven't brought myself to be able to rewatch them again. Uh, you know, <laughs> you've not been scribbling on the paving stone. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, but I, See, you know, I, I will. I, I, I would reconsider, but, 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 uh, um, fear her. Oy. Yeah. Oy, oy, oy. It's a toss up which is worst for my mind. I'm sorry. Toss her. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was hard enough just rewatching Time in the Rani. <laughs> no, well, some people enjoy They call it. me Lindy, you know. <laughs> So, um, actually, I, I didn't. I, the, the Linda aspect of that of Love and Monsters, I did like, um, as I recall. That, that, um, but I think most people just enjoyed the music on it. I don't remember. Okay, I'll, I'll give I'll give it the music. I don't remember. Or, or did, no? Wait a minute! Didn't it have cartoon? No, that was like sound effects. It had. I remember like Scooby Doo type of. Yeah. Of, of effects like sound effects in it or whatever i don't know i remember there, were, there was a lot of scooby-doo comparisons i was making at the time scooby who all right well um <laughs> no that was that yeah okay <laughs> well andrew thank you for your feedback um i um when i do rewatch it when i do revisit it i'll i'll talk about it on dr Pachak. you can rest assured about that I, I i do have it on dvd it was on it was included in the sets i just have to you know, get myself. Maybe I need some wine. Maybe I just need to get myself, you know, lubricated enough. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And exactly. I mean, the best the, the best thing about that episode was Mark Warren, to my mind. I mean, uh, he's been in lots of great stuff since uh, uh, he appeared in uh, was it Life on Mars and lots of other stuff. Uh, he mm. was he was brilliant in it. All right. Well, the next piece of feedback was a piece of email that we got, and um, it was sent. Um, just when our last episode now episode 300 and um, I thought it was an email to me at first at my, my email app um, you know put it in the, in the feedback folder but it didn't label it as such I need to re-examine my rules but whatever I, I answered it as if it was a personal email so um, this was from Mailar of Ulta and that, that's, that's the only name I have to go by on the email and he writes uh, congrats on your 300th episode is yours definitely the oldest Doctor Who podcast? Thanks. And as I said, I um, at first I thought it was just a, an email to myself before I realized it was sent to the feedback address. So I had wrote back to him, and um, so I'll just write back. I'll just read off what I wrote to him. So I answered back to him. Hi, Mayor, Mayor of Ulthar. Thanks. Although we just released episode 300 of Doctor Who Podshock, it wasn't our 300th episode since we had released other episodes that didn't follow the numbering scheme, such as various two-part episodes and the many Aftershock episodes. So our 300th episode was probably released some 30 episodes ago. This summer, we'll be celebrating our ninth anniversary. We began in the summer of 2005, recording our first episode in July 2005. We were to start earlier that year, but unfortunately I came down with a case of bronchitis and therefore I didn't have the voice for it. Uh, so it was put off until later that year in the summer. It worked out that it coincided with the 20th anniversary of the Gallifrey Embassy at that time. So it, it, it kind of worked out that way. Uh, we, when we did launch, there was another podcast about Doctor Who out there. It was hosted by Tom Dillahunt and it was called 
Podcast Who, if I recall correctly. Uh, he was reviewing new Doctor Who episodes at the time, starring Christopher Eccleston. And the podcast ran for, I, I, I forgive me because I don't remember exactly, I think it ran for a couple years before it came to an end. I believe uh, we had Tom on our show on Doctor Who Pachak on episode 73. So yes, we are the longest running Doctor Who podcast to our knowledge. Um, thanks again. And um, that, that's, that, that sums up that. Yeah. I miss Tom Billand. He seems like a very, very nice man. I don't know where he's at today. I remember listening, I to, him, uh, I remember listening to, to, to you guys and, and to him at the same time. And uh, yeah, and then he just kind of uh, disappeared. Uh, well, uh, there's a term. I don't, I don't think it's used that often today. But at the time, it was a term called pod fading, where people, uh, many podcasts, you know, after a certain amount of time, would kind of drift off. And because uh, I mean, I, I don't mean to, you know, I, as a podcast, I don't mean to, um, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of work involved. Sometimes people get into it thinking it's going to be X amount of work, and then it turns out to be a little bit more. And um, and it's you know, so sometimes it gets a little overwhelming, or sometimes life just comes into hand. I, I, I don't mean to attribute any of this to Tom Dillahunt. I'm I, I'm just talking generally here. Right. Um, uh, and sometimes life comes up, you know, either you start a family or uh, or other things in life, an illness or or, or just work schedules and um, and and you know the the show shorter sort of drifts off a bit. Or you get a, uh, yeah, a mean, superstorm coming and <laughs> and uh, destroys everything, and <laughs> you got to start rebuilding from scratch again. And uh, you know, uh, to that point, uh, for, for those that are that may be um, wondering, uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi and um, and the Sonic News Driver, I, I do plan on getting those shows back on track. I, I, my first priority was getting Doctor Who Pachak back on track after um, our, uh, you know. Sparring with Mother Nature. <laughs> uh, well, that little clip that, you, that Ian did uh, for me, which was great that he played. Thank yes, you, Lewis, yeah. for playing that. Uh, which mentioned CIA. I mean, CIA started um, uh, middle of 2007. Uh, with West Hubbard, of course, and mm -hmm. uh, Ian and myself sort of uh, uh, led that for some 100 episodes um, so, it, uh, I mean, can you believe 2005 that Doctor Who came back? I mean, it, I know, well, it's very a soon be on the 10th anniversary of Doctor Who. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know where time goes. Well, I don't know where time goes with, with this episode. <laughs> we're, we're past the two-hour block. So uh, thank you for all those that hanged, hung in there. And if you want to, if, if you're really adventurous and you really want to hear more uh, from, especially from Dave and Ian, you can catch them on the Cultum Collective every Sunday at 2 p.m. on TalkShoe. And Dave is going to tell you the TalkShoe ID number. It's 54821. But of course, you can find us on iTunes and many other things. In fact, I just sent a, a little uh, 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 spreadsheet to Ian because we now need a spreadsheet to mention all the different podcast directories that you can find us on. So there you go. Yeah. So uh, uh, tune into that as well. Uh, I don't know if, if there's anything that you want to plug as far as any upcoming. Um, things that you're doing on it's not just Doctor Who that they do they they cover the Coltum Club and, and and when I say Coltum it will be it's, send 
It's called Dumb. D C L C U L T T D O M. Just in case you're doing a search and you don't know what yeah. I'm what what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm sorry, it Dave. It will be Go sensational. It'll be sensational, relevant, interesting, great, and sometimes Ian will be on it. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I, I, I'm doing a West Hubbard at the moment. <laughs> He's so in demand. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you both my own demand. for taking time out of the Colton Collective um, schedule to uh, to to uh, grace us with your presence here. And it's it's always like having you both. It's always fun having you both here. You're very gracious. Yes. Thank you very much, sir. Well, thank you. And thank you for listening. I know it's been a it's been a long show, but hopefully a fun one. It's been fun for us. So until exactly. next time. That's all that matters. Yes. That's all that matters. It's fun <laughs> for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your really ears may be bleeding, but it's been fun for us. <laughs> yeah, and my wine lasted to the end. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, until next time, cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifreyNMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchuck Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit ArtTrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. What's wrong? It's our speed. It's increasing. And reducing. You asked an I'm trying to do.